0: the truth news network one man can change the world it's done every day kepler copernicus ptolemy lister they all change the world interesting that these are scientists And the hallmark of science is skepticism and a relentless pursuit of truth. Starting to see a picture? Good. And here to clarify that picture for you, from TNN, the Truth News Network, Dan Newman.
1: So let me ask you a question to start the show this morning. How skeptical are you? What stuff do you hear, what stuff do you see, read, that you just believe because of who wrote it, who said it, or who's doing it on a TV broadcast. Folks, we've gotten to a point in our world where it's tough to trust anything that we see, here or read. When it comes to news about our world, it seems like the elites across the globe, not just here in the United States, and when I say elites, I really don't know if they are Literally, by definition, classified as being elite, but in many cases, they are. You know who I'm talking about, the people that have just taken control of almost every area of our lives, at least the messaging part of all of those things. And they tell us things, and they've got from somewhere, they've gotten the power to do just that. And the expectation every time they open their mouths that we must Believe what they say. Why? Not because of factual, not because of being accurate, just because they're the ones that are telling us those things. So, how's your week going? Day two. Gosh, it seems like we've been here two, three, four days already. The 25th of January, can you believe the month of January 2022 is virtually gone? A week left? It's amazing how quick these days are going by. And it's also amazing how full these days that are going by are of all kinds of craziness. We have such a busy show today. I hope we can get it all in. We're going to visit with a whole lot of people and uh, you're going to hear from from some people, probably a little bit unexpected on your part, but we always bring you folks And I'm not talking about having somebody live in an interview today. That could be later on this week and next week. We've got three people lined up that I think you're going to want to hear in the upcoming days. So make sure you stay close. But I'm talking about people in the news. There's a lot going on. A lot of it good. Far more of it is not so good. Did you take a gander at the story at truthnewsnet.org yet today? Please do so. There's a lot of meat there. There really is. And it's about our healthcare industry. Of course, the world of news is abuzz with this president and what he does, what he's not doing, what he says. And boy, he says a lot. Yesterday, he just stepped on it, whatever it is in his life, in public, on national television, thinking a microphone is off. Now, let me tell you if you've never been in broadcasting, there's one fundamental that everybody in broadcasting understands. Anytime there's a microphone around you folks, it's on. It may not be on, but treat it like it's on. It's kind of like a gun. Always consider every gun loaded. Well, that microphone sitting in front of president Biden yesterday, it certainly was loaded. And, uh, He stepped on it, folks, in a way I've never heard any other president do, but he does those kind of things. You're going to hear a little bit. No, you're going to hear a lot about that. You'll hear some stuff from the president himself, and you'll also, we're going to dial it back a year or so and let you hear what he had to say on January 21st last year to his entire administration staff members. It's going to be interesting. It really is. And I don't think we're through it. You heard a little bit about it, but there's more to it than that. What's going on overseas? Well, as I told you last week, folks, we will be in some kind of military action with Russia before this is all over. Now, why do I feel so certain about it? It's simply because of who's leading this government. Who's the commander-in-chief over here? Vladimir Putin doesn't want war for war's sake, he doesn't. But he feels like he's in a position now to strong arm the nation of Ukraine, principally because Ukraine's former big ally, the United States of America, is being led by somebody who is not adept enough to be able to make good decisions, especially good decisions on the fly. Now, he makes decisions. President Biden definitely makes decisions. But he makes most of them on the fly. You know, the sad thing about it is, I've I've, I've told you this before, those of you that are regulars, I've told you a mark of good management is not knowing everything about the business you're operating. That's not the way it works. Nobody can know everything. It's impossible. If it's a big business, especially. So what do you do? the part of your business that you don't know personally, if it's your business or you're in top management, don't act like you know it. That's being stupid, folks. What do you do? You go find people that know the missing links, the parts that you don't know that need to all come together and be part of the success of that company, or in this case, the nation. And you put people around you, that can fill in the emptiness, the gaps that are there in understanding and knowledge. You give them the power they need to make the choices, to get the job done, and you let them do it. You trust them to do it. If they do it right, you will congratulate them. If they fail again and again, you replace them. But you always let them do what they know best, because that's why you hired them in the first place but always hold them accountable hold everybody accountable in your life folks you may not operate a big business but you've you've got a family you may have a big business surround yourself not with yes people surround yourself with like-minded people but not with people that know the exact same things that you do fill in the gaps of what's missing the knowledge, the information. That's what we should do in every area of our lives. Joe Biden does not, has not, is not, probably won't do that. He's got a bunch of yes people in his administration. And every day we're seeing more and more and more about that. A lot of healthcare information out there, a lot of changes going on, a lot of news and As you can imagine, not all of it, very little of it is good news as it pertains to our pandemic other than the fact it looks like finally we may be on the downhill side of all of this. Let's pray and believe together that we are. So where do we start this morning? I thought I'd do it with um, a little novel difference here. You know the NBC television show, it's the longest running Television show in history. And it's a news show. Meet the Press. I f- I forget how many years it's been on the air, but pretty much almost as long as NBC's been a television network, Meet the Press has been there. They've had various show hosts, and now it's Chuck Todd. Chuck Todd, those in the industry, in the media industry, and in I R one, I fondly refer, we all fondly refer to. Chuck Todd is Chucky Boy, and it's not in a loving kind way either. He's he's got some baggage. Well, Sunday morning, he opened his show, Meet the Press, and I'm I, I'm not. We're just going to listen to about a minute of this. But you got to understand who Chuck Todd is and where he works. He works for NBC News. I don't know of another network. No, There is no other broadcast network. ABC, CBS, and NBC are the three biggies. I don't know of another network that is more vile, more anti-conservatism, more in the tank for everything liberal and leftist than is NBC. Now keep that in mind. When you listen to Chuck Todd do his opening, and this is the most anti-conservative, pro-Democrat,
2: pro-leftist broadcast network. Listen to this opening. And a good Sunday morning. President Biden's news conference on Wednesday was designed to kick off a second-year reset of his presidency. Recapture his political identity, if you will. But our our new NBC News poll suggests Mr. Biden does need a reset because he's lost his identity a bit. He's no longer seen as competent and effective. No longer seen as a good commander-in-chief or perhaps most damaging, as easygoing and likable. In fact, just 5% of adults say Mr. Biden has performed better than expected as president. One of the many lowest, firsts, and fewest in our poll. And as we kick off our Meet the Midterms coverage heading into November, the NBC News political unit developed what we're calling a midterm meter. It's based on previous election cycles. It's basically three poll numbers you need to know best. I'm gonna start with perhaps the most important number to understand uh, the direction of the midterms, it's job approval here the president's job approval rating sitting at 43 percent. If you look at history, history shows that kind of presidential approval rating leads to a shellacking for the party in power. How about the mood of the nation? Well, let me show you this right now. Our wrong track, nation's on the wrong track number, sitting at 72 percent. Second poll in a row where we've been over 70 percent. is only The third time in our polls history over 30 years, where we've had two tracks that uh, were that off. That, again, would put you in shellacking territory for the party in power. But the one place Democrats are holding up, okay is on the question of which party should control Congress. Basically, a dead heat, one point advantage there. But most analysts will tell you Democrats have to be about up about four or five due to their uh, due to redistricting in order to actually hold the House here. So that puts it in the middle. But as you can see. Two of our three most important indexes is sitting in shellacking territory right now for the Democrats. This is a dangerous place for the party and the president to be at the one-year mark of this presidency. A shellacking.
1: I've never heard them use that term when they talk about elections. But isn't it interesting? NBC News came out, and that's the opening in their big show, their multi-decade-long show, Every Sunday Morning, Meet the Press. Chuck Todd didn't sound very complimentary there about this president's job. And there's a reason for it, folks. He just messes up every day, over and over and over. And it's almost like he doesn't care anymore. You would think if he cared, he could make whatever little switches, little changes that need to occur to put him back on the right track. But he either doesn't care or he doesn't understand either case is not good for this president or for any president. How do you feel about what's going on in the nation right now? I mean, are you like most Americans? Literally, most Americans think we're in trouble. We're going downhill as fast as we possibly can, and we can't put the brakes on. We've tried. There's no metal on the brake pads. We just can't get it done. And I don't think we'll be able to get it done as long as this guy's in senior management at the top of the government. I don't see how we can do it. It's almost like he messes up every day things that he doesn't even need to mess up. He says things that he certainly doesn't need to say. And every time he opens his mouth in public, he makes a mistake. It's almost like he's got a whole troop of guys that have shovels walking around behind him, cleaning up after him every time he appears in public. But to be quite honest with you, and to be fair to President Biden, this is not new about him. He's always been that way, ever since he's been in office. He makes grandiose claims in speech after speech after speech, only to be debunked, and pretty much, especially when he was in the Senate, Pretty much any speech he gave, 20 to 50% of it was riddled with falsehoods. That's not a good thing. I know it's politics, and everybody says, "Uh, you know, politics, they lie all the time. And we just stop right there. But that shouldn't be the case. It certainly doesn't have to be the case. And it really doesn't need to be the case. We need to be able to trust those who are in charge over us. And President Biden, he wields a lot of power from the White House. You know that. You may not like it, but he is the most powerful person on the planet. Whoever sits in that seat is. But just think about him walking around with the guy behind him, wherever he goes, carrying the nuclear suitcase. Think about Joe Biden on a whim, accidentally. <laughs> firing some nukes at somebody. That is scary. So let me tell you what we need to do. You may not like this, but we need to pray for the man. He's the pilot of our ship. And we want to be certain that any pilot on any ship that we're on is going to be successful getting us where we're headed. And looking ahead at November of 2024, maybe we can pray that everything will settle down a little bit and it'll be okay till then, till we can make a change through our voting system. And pray, by the way, that our voting system will allow us to fairly and legally elect somebody to replace Joe Biden. That's a story for another day, isn't it? But don't hate this president. Don't. And I encourage you, too, to stop making fun of him. Although, i got to be honest, I'm guilty. I do it. But he opens himself up so much, and he's so ridiculous at some of the things that he says and some of the things that he does. And it's really sad that they literally have to come out behind him with shovels and clean up after him. And boy, did he mess it up yesterday. Did you hear about this? Brett Baer from... Fox News kind of sets the stage here.
2: Peter, tell us about this colorful exchange uh, with the president just a short time before this show. You, you asked a question earlier this evening. He uh, didn't want to take any questions off topic. He was at an event about inflation, and so I asked one on inflation.
3: I think inflation is a political liability ahead of the midterms? That's a great asset. More inflation. What a stupid son of a bitch.
2: And now we'll just wait to see if the White House has to bleep that on the transcript. Brett? What do the other reporters say about that? Have you talked to them? Uh, well, they actually had to tell me that he said it because I couldn't hear anything over the shouting from the Wranglers. So uh, the clip will now uh, live on, Brett. And in infamy. Uh, Peter Ducey yep. live on the North Lawn. Peter, thanks. So there was
1: this briefing by the president, in the, not in the Oval Office, but in the White House. I, I think it may have been in the East Room. Bunch of reporters in there. And the president said, "I'm not going to answer any questions about Ukraine." Excuse me, about Ukraine. So Peter Ducey asked him, "Is rising inflation going to be a big deal coming up towards your re-election?" And the president, for some stupid reason, lashed out at Peter Ducey, the White House correspondent for Fox News, and he said, "What a stupid." SOB on a live microphone. Now that's pretty bad when the president of the United States singles out a reporter and then says what he said. That's a stupid SOB. Interesting. January 21st, 1921, one day, after Joe Biden was inaugurated as president, he had a little gathering in the East Room with everybody on his staff, the White House staff, top to bottom. Everybody was there. Among other things, listen to what the president told those people. We have an obligation,
3: but we also have a great privilege. Very few times does an individual get an opportunity to do something that can fundamentally, positively impact on other people's lives not only here, but around the world. You're engaged in and you're working with the most, the most decent government in the world. And we have to restore the soul of this country. And I'm counting on all of you to be part of that. But I'm not joking when I say this. If you're ever working with me and I hear you treat another colleague with disrespect, talk down to someone, I promise you I will fire you on the spot. On the spot. No ifs, ands, or buts. Everybody, everybody is entitled to be treated with decency and dignity. That's been missing in a big way in the
1: last four years. You heard what he said there. He's instructing his staff, and I think I found the right spot on the audio. Listen to what the president said. If you're ever working with
3: me and I hear you treat another colleague with disrespect talk down to someone, I promise you I will fire you on the spot. On the spot.
1: If you ever talk down to someone, I will fire you on the spot. On the spot. That was a year and four days ago. He's forgotten it. I'm not laughing at him. I'm laughing about it. And it's not a laughing matter. The President of the United States should not. I don't care how powerful a person you are, should not do that. It makes absolutely no sense. There's no justification for it. There's no reason for it. I mean, honestly, the question that Peter Ducey asked of the president about inflation being a big deal, it is a big deal and it will continue to be a big deal. Why didn't the president just answer Peter? Yes or no. Instead, he has to throw out a four letter word. Well, SOB's three letters in SOB. You know what I'm talking about. This president does that again and again and again, and it doesn't seem to matter to him. In all fairness, he did call Peter Ducey, we were told. And he didn't apologize to Peter Ducey for it. What he said, according to Peter, I heard Peter repeat this this morning on Fox News this morning. He said the president called him and he didn't apologize, but he said this. Nothing personal, pal. It's not the first time he's done it. He did it to one of the female Fox News correspondent at the White House, he dropped her into Greece in a similar fashion, in a White House press briefing. He never even bothered to call her. Now, call her. I would think if I was one of the um, feminists in the nation, I would certainly take issue that he reached out and did call a man reporter that he insulted. Why didn't he call the woman? Hmm. Maybe there's something there there. Maybe we need to look into that, right? Talk about start another uproar in this administration, another conflict with people. He doesn't need any more of those. I mentioned in the opening about our story published today titled US Healthcare Bureaucracy is Killing Us Literally. It's a very important story, and I'm bringing it up again because I definitely think you need to read it if you haven't already. It's full of facts, facts about what's going on in our health care. And it's not flattering in any way, but it's very, very truthful. Again, that's the second time I've brought it up. I know a bunch of people are latecomers to the show every day, and that's okay. I just wanted to make sure you knew it's there and I'm highly recommending you read it. So Kamala Harris, our Vice President of the United States, she's right in the thick of everything, isn't she? Well, she will comment about everything, but she's really not in the middle of managing anything that I can see. But she did yesterday warn Russian President Vladimir Putin. She said that... um, if Russia and Vladimir Putin violate the sovereignty and territory integrity of Ukraine, there's going to be serious consequences, and we're very clear about that. She was in an interview with the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel when she said it. Her comment is the highest level response from the administration on the escalating tensions in Ukraine since Biden commented on it last week. You would think Biden would comment on it every day, but he doesn't. The president raised the alarm in Ukraine after he suggested it was a foregone conclusion that Putin would act in some way to challenge the nation's territorial boundaries. He's done it before. Why wouldn't he do it again? Biden said, my guess is he'll move in. He has to do something. So despite his handlers, Joe's handlers, their efforts to clean up Biden's comments, shovels got full real quick. Ukrainian leaders have expressed their outrage by Biden's handling of the crisis. News of the State Department ordering family members of embassy staff over there to leave the country, that was nothing more than another signal the United States was preparing for inevitable hostilities. I like that term. Hostilities. A source close to President Volodymyr Zelensky of Ukraine said Americans were safe. Quite frankly, these Americans are safer in Kiev than they are in Los Angeles or any other crime-ridden city in the U.S. That's, that's one of our allies. President Volodymyr Zelensky of Ukraine said that about L.A. <laughs> President Biden refused to answer questions from reporters on Ukraine yesterday during an event on the administration's struggle to address inflation The White House said Biden participated in a video call with his European counterparts on the issue of Ukraine and discussed joint efforts to deter further Russian aggression against Ukraine. Now that's what they're being nice and saying is going on. Dan said and told you two weeks ago, we're going to be in an armed conflict with Russia, not because of necessarily something joe biden does or says but because of his inaction and his unwillingness to step up and point a finger at moscow and tell vladimir putin what's going to happen if he does do that you know who michael waltz is representative michael waltz he's a congressman from florida He said that a Russian invasion of Ukraine is imminent and it's very likely and that sanctions are not going to be effective because the Germans are not going to get on board with any sanctions due to President Biden's energy policy undermining American energy and moving the world onto Russia's environmental dirty natural gas. You realize that's what happened. We were selling the Russians... Billions of dollars of liquid petroleum, liquid gas, liquid natural gas. Much of it came through a refinery of for that, an LNG refinery brand new in, in Lake Charles, Louisiana. That all stopped because when Biden did what he did when he first got into office, Russia said, okay. So they started buying everything from Germany pretty much. Waltz later added, I want Americans to understand that Biden's failed energy policies are leading directly to instability, not just here, but around the world. When Biden shuts down American pipelines, American drilling, puts regulation on our fracking and moves us away from energy independent, he's moving the world toward Russian oil and gas. And then you add add on top of that, green lighting the Russian pipeline, which by the way, moves the dirtiest form of gas in the world. So the environmental argument doesn't even weigh in there. Every time that price of oil goes up, you see Putin getting richer and getting more aggressive. And the same thing happening in Iran. They're also getting richer and more aggressive because America, rather than exporting oil, he's Biden's moving the world towards dependency on their oil. And this year This is how you're seeing it play out. And for sanctions to be effective, which is the centerpiece of Biden and Secretary Blinken's response, it has to be effective in euros and dollars. Folks, money is the only thing that matters to Vladimir Putin. A lot of people are caught up, and we've we've told you this again and again. It used to be about only money here in the United States in politics. And then all of a sudden, They moved away from it being everything about money. It's now all about power. Why is that? Because with power, especially in the United States, if you control the power, you control the money. You control everything else too. Think about the difference of the United States and Russia. Russia is in horrible economic straits. They have been for years now. And so they don't have that free thing, that spirit, that positiveness that we have here because we just take for granted our economic successes throughout my lifetime in government and among the American people. Russians don't have that. They don't have that perspective. Nobody can stick a a picture up in front of them and say, hey, this is what we're doing. Look how great we're doing here. Putin's got all the power in Russia. He's probably the most powerful man outside of the guy that sits in the White House in D.C., whoever it is. He needs the money. And Joe Biden's energy policies, we hadn't bought, the nation, U.S., hadn't bought any oil from Russia in years. The month after Joe Biden was inaugurated and shut down a bunch of our energy production in the United States, we started buying oil again from Russia. In fact, the first month, 6 million barrels. The next month, 8 million barrels. The next month, 10 million barrels of oil from Russia. The Germans aren't going to get on board for any of these sanctions if Biden and Blinken try to put some on there. It's too late. And they're dependent on Russia right now. They just had to fire the head of the German Navy yesterday for saying Ukraine will never get Crimea back that Putin and the Russians took in the first invasion of Ukraine and that we should be showing Putin more respect. So you're going to see a weak German response here, kind of like a weak U.S. response. Putin knows it. And again, that's why he knows he's probably going to get away with invading Ukraine. Now here's what we're doing. I'm sure you are breathless wanting to know what we're doing about that. Joe Biden has threatened to use export control measures to damage Russia's key industries if they go ahead and invade Ukraine. The administration is eyeing the foreign direct product rule to control exports to Russia of all microelectronics that are designed here with software or technology or produced using U.S. equipment. The rule could target the artificial intelligence, maritime, defense, and civilian aviation sectors from Russia. The export control against Russian industries is expected to be an attractive measure because The U.S. is dominant in software, technology, and equipment and microelectronics. That's what we're going to do, folks. What I just told you is what we're going to do, not what we're thinking about doing. That's the maximum that we are going to do. Meanwhile, Uncle Joe is mulling our options to retaliate against Russia They now have, they tell us 100,000 troops near its border with Ukraine. I bet you it's about 120 by now. The White House, one White House official said the administration is in discussion with its allies on the actions. Joe talked to him on a conference call, a Zoom call yesterday. No final decisions have been made. But we would start high and stay high and maximize the pain to the Kremlin. That came out of a... Anonymous voice from the White House. I'm sure that makes you comfortable. The Biden administration has warned against Russia if its troops cross the border. You know that red line? Kind of like Obama drew in the sand, called it his red line, if Basar Asar gassed any more Syrian citizens? Well, Bashar said, I don't believe you. He went ahead and did it again. He went ahead and did it again. He went ahead and did it again. That was a Obama proverbial red line. You remember who Obama's padre was in that? Joe Biden. I imagine they think alike on this issue. So besides economic measures, the Biden administration is also mulling sending several thousand troops. We're told now, 8,500 have been made ready. That doesn't mean they're on their way or anything like that. We're going to wait till after they invade and kill a few thousand Ukrainians, and then we'll go over there and maybe we'll do something. Maybe we won't. Who knows? They say there's going to be some warships and aircrafts sent to Eastern Europe and the Baltic states as Russia is mobilizing its troops near Ukraine they're not mobilizing them folks they've been there they are ready to go Biden has not directly endorsed sending troops there yet but he has said that a Russian invasion would mean that the U.S. sends more troops to bolster NATO's defenses now here's the conundrum there NATO why? NATO doesn't have to do anything They're not obligated to do a thing with this. Ukraine is not a member of NATO. We are. Germany is. Every country that is in NATO, by contract, mutual understanding for decades, if any country that's a member of Ukraine is attacked by another country, any country, that means all of the partner NATO nations are obligated to go in and work with that country country that's being invaded or has been attacked by an outside foe. It's hollow for anybody in the United States to think that NATO is going to pony up and do anything. They're like me. They, In this respect, they know Vladimir Putin is going to invade Ukraine. And you know where Joe Biden's heart is about Ukraine and about Russia invading there, look what happened the last time Russia invaded. It was Crimea, it still is, but it's no longer as part of Ukraine. It's part of Russia. What did we do? They reached out to us and they needed desperately Stinger missiles that are the best um, weapon on earth to use against Russian tanks. They asked for Stinger missiles from Barack Obama and Joe Biden you know what they sent them blankets they literally sent the Ukrainian Army blankets somebody corrected me yesterday when I said that said no there were blankets and sleeping bags yeah they weren't bulletproof <laughs> sleeping bags so they that ain't gonna work so let me ask you this You and I, you and I, we both know if this happens and when it happens, there are going to be a bunch of bad actors around the globe that are going to be watching it, watching it very closely for a lot of reasons. Bad actors is the key. Who are they and what might they do and where they are in their thinking? I've got some quote unquote opinion on the matter. I'm going to share it right after this. I think you'll want to hear it. Don't go anywhere. Ah,
4: luxury. The aroma is full bodied. The flavor is decadent. The touch divine. And the drive? Yes, the drive of luxury is simply infinity. Introducing the Infinity Luxury Test Tour. If you think you are familiar with luxury, You haven't driven an infinity. Infinity of Elk Grove invites you to truly become familiar with luxury and take a luxury test tour. It's like a test drive, but with more luxury. We invite you to drive luxury to luxury, not for an hour or even a day, but for an entire weekend. Your choice, select your infinity and motor off to a luxury weekend in Lake Tahoe or Napa Valley. And yes, all the luxury is on us. Introduce yourself to luxurytesttour.com and truly become familiar With luxury. Infinity of Elk Grove is literally giving you the keys to a luxury experience like none other. Luxurytesttour.com. Drive luxury, drive infinity. Infinity of Elk Grove. Expect more. I
3: love going
5: all natural, it just makes me feel better. Between me and my 100% all-natural, juicy, grass-fed beef.
6: Introducing the all-natural burger, the first ever in fast food. With no antibiotics, no added hormones, and no steroids. Only at Carl's Jr. When your cable company keeps you on hold, you get angry. When you get angry, you go blow off steam. When you go blow off steam, accidents happen. When accidents happen, you get an eye patch. When you get an eye patch, people think you're tough. When people think you're tough, people want to see how tough. And when people want to see how tough, you wake up in a roadside ditch. Don't wake up in a roadside ditch. Get rid of cable and upgrade to DirecTV. Call one 800 Direct
0: tv This is the truth your mama warned you about. TNN, The Truth News Network, TruthNewsNet.org, and Dan Newman.
1: Interesting discussing about NATO and what they might do, might not do. I just got a message from uh, Peter Lloyd out in California. Obviously, Peter's listening in today. And uh, he sent me a link to a story in the Daily Mail today. Boris Johnson suggests the U.K. could send bond combat troops to face Russia and Ukraine. I haven't been able to open it and read the content of it yet, but I think that's kind of interesting. That is the first positive word that I've heard from anybody coming out of NATO that they're going to stand in line, at least militarily, with the United States if we have to take on Putin in Ukraine. So we don't live in a vacuum. Everybody knows that. Whenever we do anything individually, there's always somebody looking in. It's no different at the national level either, folks. We're down. The perception around the world is that the United States is down in pretty much every way. Our economy is struck struggling. Think about it. Our economy is being blasted. Inflation going through the roof prices going crazy, we can't get goods and items from overseas, the pandemic has been weaponized against us, and if you don't believe that, read today's story, and we're weak, we're down. If any foreign foe ever thinks about taking us on now is when we're at our weakest, now would be a good time. So interesting what we're about to tell you came from CNN yesterday, their New Day show, They had Washington Post columnist and CNN political analyst Josh Rogan said that the Golden State Warriors part owner, Chamath, and I can't even pronounce his last name, has a point when he says people don't give a rip about China's treatment of the Uyghurs and that reveals an ugly truth about our society, which is that our elites are often up for bribery, that they're often easily corrupted, even in the face of the world's worst atrocities there are he said there are a lot of people in Silicon Valley and in the corporate world who don't care some of the media actually so that was the Golden State's owner Rogan the quote-unquote expert for CNN said I don't think he's right I think it's just more right than wrong because if you look at these corporations that we're talking about, the International Olympic Committee, we're talking about Airbnb, we're talking about German insurance company Alliance, we're talking about all of the sponsors of the Olympics. They've made a financial calculation. They've decided apparently that not enough people care that the shame of them paying for and endorsing a genocide Olympics is greater than the benefits that they're going to get from it financially. And he went on and on and on and on. And then they morphed into, guess who? The Communist Party of China. The Communist Party of China says, what we have done reveals an ugly truth about our society that our leaders are spoiled. They're often open up For bribes. They're easily corrupted. He continued, and that, of course, is what the Chinese Communist Party thinks about us and that we are at our weakest. Now, why would that message come out of the Chinese Communist Party? They have the biggest military on the planet, folks. By the way, they are now firmly in cahoots. Xi Jinping the head of the Chinese Communist Party and the leader of China and Vladimir Putin get together frequently. They're buds now. They used to have somebody in between them that could converse and talk to each of them individually and together. I'm I'm not talking about physically together, but I'm talking about during the same time period. Somebody from the United States that confronted them both numerous times about their wrongdoings who was that donald trump joe biden it ain't happening folks we are down so we've got russia about to invade an adjoining country really invade it they're not afraid of the united states they have no military respect for us because of our commander-in-chief xi jinping and china the same thing You think they're flying those jets, those fighter jets over Taiwan as show to try to scare the Taiwanese people to death? No, that's a message to D.C. That's a message to Joe Biden. I'll guarantee you, here I am, I guarantee you Russia's going to invade Ukraine. China's going to invade Taiwan and take it back because they say it's legally theirs. And what are we going to do? What's Joe Biden going to do? Do you think he's going to get into a world war? You probably don't. I certainly don't think he will. So what else would happen then? Well, I can tell you, Ukraine is going to be part of Russia and Taiwan's going to be part of China. And the Taiwan thing is a really big deal to us because we have strong allegiance to and obligations to the island nation of Taiwan. What is it going to look like to everybody else on earth if they all of a sudden see, wow, the United States let Russia invade Ukraine and now they're letting China take over Taiwan. Can we trust the United States anymore? Do you think China and Russia are the only two bad actors on the Earth? What about Kim Jong-un just across from China In North Korea. You know, Donald Trump shut him down. He's back in business. They're doing these missile tests again. And we've we've heard, we've been told by our military and our intelligence communities that they've got the big stuff in line, The stuff that could actually reach us from North Korea, which would be ICBM, Intercontinental Ballistic Missiles. They've got them. Tip one of those missiles with a nuke, and aim it at San Francisco and see what happens. Don't think for a second that sycophant over there wouldn't do it in a heartbeat. He could drink a little too much tonight. He's literally the dictator, the number one dictator on the planet now. Everybody in North Korea, folks, if they look at him wrong, he'll have them killed. He got crossways with his uncle about six years ago and had the guys, the military guys that work for him, take his uncle out into a pen of rabid dogs, Kim Jong-un stood there and watched those dogs kill and eat his uncle, literally. So you have just those three alone. Imagine what they could do to us. So all I can tell you is, I've dealt with bullies before in my life, and you have too. We all face them. How do you handle a bully? How do you beat a bully? The best way, the simplest way, and the quickest way to stop a bully in this track is immediately hit him square as hard as you can right between the eyes. That ain't going to happen with this president. Just because of the decisions he's made, some of them as president of the United States, We are far weaker than we ever have been in a long time. I don't say ever, but in a really long, long time. And secondly, the perception around the world of our leadership in the way of what we are willing to do to protect our allies and make sure nothing happens coming over here, that's not gone yet but it's well on its way. They recognize that. Why? Because they're in the business of doing just that. I'm telling you. Don't doubt what I'm saying, folks. Check it out. Check it out. Stuart Varney, by the way, who is a Brit, he is a citizen of the United States. Now he has dual citizenship. He's kind of got a different version, a different look at the world than you or I do because... We didn't, most of us didn't grow up in the UK. We don't understand all of their politics. We learned a lot over the last decade or so because the news opened up. And when you have BBS on every cable network in the country and on satellite and we get their stuff, we have friends down in Australia. We play some of their news stories here for you to hear all the time. So we know a little bit more about them, but Stuart Varney, it's always firsthand information is better. He weighed in on not just the Russia situation with Ukraine, but on Joe Biden, period. Here's Stuart from yesterday.
7: This morning, Iran-backed rebels again attacked Abu Dhabi. Last night, Chinese warplanes flew close to Taiwan. Right now, Russia threatening to invade Ukraine. Our rivals and enemies are squeezing America. They're challenging President Biden because they think he's weak. These are dangerous times. When the president seemed to okay a minor incursion into Ukraine, he looked weak. Saki had to walk it back, but the damage was done. The Iranians or their proxies have attacked America's embassy in Iraq and used drones and missiles to attack Abu Dhabi twice. No response that we know of from the administration. China repeatedly threatens Taiwan, a close American ally. Overseas, we're not doing well. However, WITH HIS BACK AGAINST THE WALL PRESSED FROM ALL SIDES, THE PRESIDENT APPEARS TO BE GETTING TOUGHER, AT LEAST WITH RUSSIA. HE'S CONSIDERING SENDING U.S. TROOPS TO EASTERN EUROPE, NOT UKRAINE, EASTERN EUROPE, AND EXTRA SHIPS AND PLANES TO NATO. THERE'S ALSO A PLAN TO RESTRICT ALL IMPORTANT COMPUTER CHIP SUPPLIES TO RUSSIA. THAT WOULD HURT. AND SO WOULD CUTTING THEM OUT OF THE INTERNATIONAL PAYMENT SYSTEM. THERE'S A PLAN FOR THAT, TOO. He has himself to blame for this back to the wall situation for the past year. His policies seemed incoherent and his performance in public inspired no confidence. But he is our president and in dangerous times it's time to rally around. Let's
1: hope his newfound toughness with Russia works. His newfound toughness with Russia. Let's hope it works. Wow. A lot of perspectives going around here. We've got a lot more to get in here today. Let me tell you what we're going to do. We've 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 got some information coming out on the pandemic. Uh, we've got some COVID nineteen information that'll probably blow your mind. And next, we're going to talk about President Biden and some of the stuff that he said, specifically things that he said he was going to do, he wasn't going to do, and he talked about some things that um, it shocked me I'll just give you a hint he talked about the GOP the grand old party the Republican party and he talked about it changing he made some comments that I think will put in perspective exactly if you're wondering what he thinks why he does what he does I think this will help you understand better what's really going on there and by the way I know his cognitive ability is diminished, but there's a lot of stuff going on behind the eyeballs. That next.
0: Undeniably the go-to source for nonpartisan, spin-free news from the world. Real Truth. Real News. TNN. The Truth News Network. Northern Tool and Equipment. My girlfriend has given me a pet name.
2: I'm afraid to ask.
0: Snuggle Muffin.
2: No, it isn't.
0: And she uses it in public.
8: Okay, so give your girlfriend a pet name she'll hate, like uh, Thunder Chunky.
0: I couldn't do that.
8: I see. Too harsh for Snuggle Muffin. Okay. Drown her out with a 200 mile per hour cordless leaf blower.
6: Got it. Here she comes. Hey, Snuggle
5: Muffin. What are you doing, Snuggle Snuggle, snuggle-, snuggle-
1: I am so out of here.
6: Wait come back thunder chunky
0: there's no problem a little horsepower can't solve northern tool and equipment
3: (laughs) hello hello sir i hear you having problems putting together your new kitchen unit oh yeah uh the
7: instructions say what now the instruction manual it makes absolutely stop reading that What would you
2: suggest I use? I suggest you use the fact you're a man. Guys who got pride never relied on no guide, sucker. I'll give you some step-by-step instructions. (laughs) Buy
3: Snickers, remove wrapper, bite chocolate, and get some nuts.
5: Go to getsomenuts.tv for more Snickers man coaching.
1: I wish we had time to listen to that whole song, Love Train, by the OJs. That was a great song, a happy sounding song from the 60s, Uh, but we don't, and we may play the whole thing sometime for you, it's actually a really good song, the OJs, you remember them? There was a plethora of those African American groups, Four Guys, Gladys Knight and the Pips, of course it was Four Guys and Gladys Knight, The Temptations, Four Tops, some great music back then, every song had a message and you could understand all the words, <laughs> and the music sounded good. Anyway, back to President Biden. Before I do that, do you want to weigh in, want to talk, want to chat, want to comment? Call to free 1-866-37-TRUTH, one 866 378 Go on the air live with us. President Biden, you'll remember, He talked during his campaign in 2020 that he was going to make bipartisanship the backbone of his administration. But with year one done and year two set to be dominated by those midterm elections, he's pivoting away from working with Republicans like he ever did, right? He's adopted a stronger tone with the GOP since the beginning of this year, and he said in no uncertain terms this week, he told us the Republican Party had changed ever since he was vice president. He said it's a party that is unrecognizable to him. He said at a press conference earlier this week, he was drawing lines of division between Democrats and Republicans. Quote, I did not anticipate that there'd be such a stalwart effort to make sure that the most important thing was that President Biden didn't get anything done. He said that, of course, he was griping during the news conference. Also, adding of the Obama years, they weren't nearly as obstructionist as they are now. And, of course, he brought up a number of Republicans previously willing to work across party lines like the late Senator John McCain of Arizona, and even back in those days, Senator Lindsey Graham, the president said. The tougher rhetoric makes sense. Why? Because it's an election year where Democrats are looking like it's probable now. They're going to lose the majorities in both the House and maybe even the Senate. Biden and Democrats want to play up the contrast with the GOP as they try to beat back anemic poll numbers theirs and make the case for Democrats to be in control of Congress. Now, let me ask you this. You look at the landscape yourself. You're living it yourself. You're out in Hinderland. You're not in Washington, D.C. You don't have all of that in front of you, and to be quite honest with you, you don't know everything, and they do. How in the heck can they even make a logical case for Democrats to stay in control of Congress? I don't see it. At the same time, it's a notable break from the first year when Biden sought to work across the aisle with Republicans, and that was one piece of legislation, the $1.2 trillion bipartisan infrastructure bill. 19 Republicans in the Senate voted for it. Republicans argue that Biden's first year has not been marked by attempts to... Worked together with Republicans, given his calls to change the filibuster, his effort to pass the Build Back Better Act through budgetary rules that cut out the minority. That's not bipartisanship, by the way. He came in here, he was going to be a uniter, and his policies, his rhetoric, have been incredibly divisive, and what we're seeing as a result of that is further division in every area of the country. That's Senator John Thune of South Dakota, who's number two Republican in the Senate. I was at a news conference last week. Partly because the GOP saw that infrastructure bill as making the Build Back Better Act more likely to pass, GOP leaders in the House opposed it despite the support from those 19 senators. Only 13 House Republicans voted for the bill. That came under harsh criticism from the Republican Party. Go figure, right? The White House says the pres is still open to bipartisan compromise on some issues, like, here's a biggie, folks, this is number one, two for every American, reforming the Electoral Count Act. Now that Democrats pushed to pass sweeping federal election reform bills, fizzled. They want to screw up with the Electoral College and the way that votes are counted constitutionally, you know. That thing. It sticks in their craw all the time. That Constitution thing. Gensaki on Friday told reporters, officials have been closely engaged with bipartisan lawmakers exploring such reforms. You know, that biggie, the electoral college count thing. Let's get another historic piece of bipartisan legislation done. Biden said that on Friday with Ohio Senators Rob Portman, who's a Republican, and Sherrod Brown, a Democrat, calling for the passage of the CHIPS Act right away. But that one, folks, the CHIPS Act, it's below the radar. That type of bipartisan getting together, even on low-profile bills, will be more challenging. Why? We're in an election year. The president will never abandon efforts to bring Republicans along on his agenda. That has embedded his political DNA. That's from a Democratic strategist named Joel Payne. What can and will change is waiting for Republicans to come along. I think the political realities and the limited political calendar mandate that he cannot afford to wait for Republicans going forward. So, Joel I'm Dan, how are you doing? Let me ask you a pertinent question. What the heck can he do right now? He can't get his own party to support him in many things. The American people don't want him calling any shots. It would have been different, Joel, if the president had really waved an olive branch or came across the aisle and shook hands. Bipartisanship, sir, is not We're going to do everything my way. We really want you to come along and be part of the gang. But if you're not, it's no big deal. We're going to steamroll you. That's not what he said when he was campaigning. But it certainly is what he's doing. Is there a proposal where there are 10 Republicans talking about the Build Back Better bill? I'm not aware of one. Maybe there is, Saki said. That's not what the president was talking about the other night. What the president was talking about is getting as much, although we're very open to that, but what the president was talking about is we have 50 votes in the Senate. We're going to get as much as we can of the bill Back Better agenda that we can get 50 votes for, she said. Of course, they have, they're, they're telling us they're going to break it up and pass it willy-nilly. You know, a little bit here, a little bit there. In other words, try to force... Republicans, instead of going out novel idea. Let's do some new stuff. American people, their representatives don't want the bill, Back Better bill. Obviously you knew that, but you thought you could steamroll everybody and force the filibuster to be abandoned and to change the whole process of the Senate that you, Mr. President, you shouted from the rooftops when you were a senator that if we ever changed the filibuster, it would destroy the United States Congress personally. It doesn't matter because that was then. This is now. You want everything you want. Wah, wah, wah. Forget about the people's representatives and forget about what the people want. It's only about some people. It's about the people that are all in for everything Joe Biden, everything Democrat Party. That is not bipartisanship. Wow, And that's all just one or two things. We talked about Russia. We talked about this with Biden and his problems and all that. Folks, our healthcare system is in deep trouble. I don't know if you know this, but we don't have any staffing. I mean, hospitals around the nation are fighting to get people to work in these hospitals. And you can't treat patients. And I'm not talking about just COVID patients. You can't treat patients. If you don't have the right ratio of nurse to patient, it's illegal to even admit people. I don't care if it's a 600 or a thousand bed hospital. If you by law in your state only have sufficient nurses to cover 500 beds, that's as many beds as you can open. It's happening every day. Let me give you an example. Emergency transportation calls come in. Somebody's hurt in a wreck, bad hurt, horrible heart attack, gun shooting, all those kinds of things come into the emergency room. There are hospitals all across the nation in my market in northwest Louisiana. We have a bunch of hospitals, a bunch of doctors. LSU Med Center is headquartered here. And so therefore, we have a glut of really good qualified people in healthcare here. But guess what's happening here? They're closing emergency rooms. They'll notify local law enforcement in the 911 center, don't send any ambulances on an emergency basis to RER, it's closed. We don't have the staffing. That's just one example. What else is going on? U.S. hospitals and staffing companies or extracting roughly a 1,000 nurses each month from other countries, from poor countries, instead of recruiting and training Americans for those nursing jobs. The New York Times, they described it this way. About a 1,000 nurses are arriving in the U.S. each month from African nations, the Philippines and the Caribbean. That comes from O'Grady-Payton International, which is an international recruiting firm. While the U.S. has long drawn nurses from abroad, she said demands from American healthcare facilities is the highest she's seen in 30 years. There are estimated 10,000 foreign nurses with U.S. job offers on waiting lists for interviews at American embassies around the world for the required visas. This um, mass medical migration of nurses and even doctors Ultimately, what's it about? It's about the money. It's about the money. The New York Times article admitted the central role of economics in the healthcare migration with a heading saying, Rich countries lure health workers from low-income nations to fight shortages. That's a big break from the newspaper's usual migration coverage, which always focuses on migrant family dramas rather than their economic impacts. The medical establishment, just like any other corporation, is looking for efficiency, faster, cheaper. That makes sense. And so they're looking for anybody that they can get to fill these empty roles. But the employer's desire for imported foreign doctors and nurses is also a labor rights and health care quality issue. It's not just about them being less expensive. And they are. They'll work cheaper, the foreign healthcare experts that we're bringing in. It's about them being more pliable because they're chained by that visa. It's always a conditional visa to that employer. In other words, if a big hospital chain, for instance, HCA, I don't know how many hospitals they have. They're a big one. If they cut a deal with the United States, with say one country, and they get visas, these visas for a bunch of people in foreign countries, maybe one country or whatever, when those people come here to work, that visa is tied directly to that particular hospital or hospital company. The failure to train and hire Americans for nursing and doctor's jobs also leaves fewer nurses and doctors for poor people in the developing countries, like Zambia. And again, according to the New York Times, People are leaving constantly. This is according to a Ms. Mwapi, whose inbox is flooded with emails from recruiters letting her know how quickly she can get a visa to the U.S. The net effect, she said, is that we are handicapped. It's the most skilled nurses that we lose, and you can't replace them, she said. She's a, by the way, a nurse. Now in the ICU, we might have four or five trained critical care nurses where normally We would have 20. The rest are general nurses, and they can't handle the burden of COVID. Dr. Brian Sampa, a general practitioner in Lusaka, recently began the language testing that is the first step to come to the United Kingdom. He is the head of a doctor's union, very aware of how valuable physicians are in Zambia. There are fewer than 2,000 doctors working in the public sector there, on which the vast majority of people are reliant. 5,000 doctors in the whole country, he said. That works out to one doctor per 12,000 people. And the WHO recommends one doctor for 1,000 people. This government-enabled, employee-run extraction process ensures that both the people in developing countries and Americans are losing quality care. Many Americans lose health care careers. Wealthy Americans probably aren't seeing this replacement, but people on your typical bronze and silver plans are. And certainly the people who don't have access to health insurance are seeing this. The COVID crash has highlighted the hidden process of health care extraction. Business groups and their immigration lawyers have long argued for rules that would allow them to import an unlimited number of low-wage healthcare employees. I didn't even know this, what I'm about to tell you. There's an annual cap of 85,000 work visas, and they're pushing for that to be repealed altogether for the healthcare sector, as it is for the university and nonprofit sector already. That's according to Daniel Griswold. He was speaking to a House Committee on Small Businesses. Griswold is director at the COC funded Mercatus Center in Arlington, Virginia. The demands get louder during the COVID crash but went nowhere while Donald Trump was in office. President Biden's deputies are now opening more doorways for employers to hire foreign white-collar workers, despise the rising public concerns about the loss of many of those Fortune 500 jobs to corporate-recruited H-1B visa workers. Already, Roughly a million and a half US jobs are held by visa workers instead of by Americans, so forcing down wages for many white collar jobs. That's something we haven't heard about. Yeah, we know there are a lot of nurses that are changing careers, a lot of people that refuse the vaccine, a lot of nurses. Most every hospital in the nation is understaffed. They're having problems getting them. I know a bunch of nurses. Being in the healthcare industry for 28 years, you can't help but meet and know a lot of things about the whole medical system in the United States. And we have clients, my company has clients all over the country, so things are different from place to place. But there's one unifying thing everywhere, labor shortage. We can't get people here to work. And folks, I don't need to tell you this, but I will. Healthcare is a big deal. Healthcare care is a big deal. And we've got to get this thing put to bed. We've got to stop with all of this insane stuff. We've got to trust Americans and let us do what we do best. It was interesting to me to watch the first year of the COVID-19 stuff going on. As much bad information as we had. As much lying that was being told from the top down. We should push through all of that, and we need to make this number one. Get these hospitals staffed. Get them staffed with educated and trained medical professionals at every level. And we can do that with Americans if we'll just straighten this mess up and stop pushing people to do things that aren't really truthful things that we need to do. And what are you talking about, Dan? Forced vaccination. You lose your job if you don't get vaccinated. Yeah, I know. Somebody was going to say. Federal court put a hold on the health care mandates for vaccinations, health care workers. I get that. But it's too late, folks. A huge majority of those people, they can't just go to the house and sit on the sofa and watch television. They got to work. They're leaving the industry. That's happening a lot across the nation. They're not going to just flip a coin and up and go, okay, we're back, we're here. Especially not now. This is a unnecessary, government-created horror show that we're living in right now. And the guy that's running this government, he has no desire to wade into the middle of the fray and do the right things. Nothing and he wants to point fingers and blame everybody else, he refuses to take responsibility for the stuff that he pledged an oath to do on January 20th, 2021, for you and me, like lead the nation. Joe Biden, I don't want to denigrate him in any way, but I'm going to tell you a fact. As of right now, my opinion of him, he is literally An empty suit. There's no leadership left in him. Everything he does, it's being reactively initiated instead of proactively being initiated. That's not true leadership. That's true following. And that's scary. You remember Sarah Palin? Remember that name? Former Alaska governor. She ran with John McCain when they made their run for the White House. She was his VP. Well, she reacted to HBO host Bill Maher, criticizing pandemic protocol during the inaugural broadcast of Fox News Channel's Jesse Waters' Primetime on Money, which brings up a point. Have you seen that show yet? Watch it. Watch Jesse. Watch it tonight. He's on Primetime. I think that's Central Time, their 6 p.m. show. Is that right? Let's see. That would that would be that would be Jesse at six, Tucker Carlson at seven, Sean Hannity at eight, Laura Ingraham at nine. That's right. Six o'clock, Jesse Waters prime time. I watched the first show last night just because I like Jesse a lot. It was full of good stuff, and he's a funny guy. He's much younger than me, and you're going to laugh. He's doing news, serious news, but you're going to chuckle every now and then. What a difference! It was actually, it just felt good watching that show. Anyway, back to Sarah Palin. She was recently diagnosed positive with COVID on the eve of the trial of her lawsuit against the New York Times. And the New York Times, of course, said the virus was being used as a way to control the people. Well, Sarah Palin felt that way, and they were mocking her. She said, well, Bill Maher, as an individual, a little too little too late because he's done a lot of damage to the truth and the cause of justice. But yes, like you said, you know, welcome to the team. I say welcome to the team too. I guess we'll take him because he does have a voice. And then she segued to her real substance she wanted to share. This is madness. This COVID overreach, overregulation, overreaction. It's a shame that it's become a red and blue issue. I don't know who decided this was going to be one that was going to be politicized and weaponized science, a virus, she said. A virus that has just turned into something that is just something to control the people. Well, that's exactly what it's become, and it's a shame. And I think that somebody like Bill Maher finally gets it. That's indicative of a lot more people coming on board. Folks, this is not a Democrat-Republican thing. I'm certain we have a lot of Democrats that listen to this show, that read our stories. In fact, I know we do because they reach out to me via text, email, comments. It's not about that. It's about finding what's good, finding what's legal, finding what's right, and embracing it all and pushing everything else to the side and doing it As a group, what group, Dan? How about the United States of America? Let's just do it as a nation. You know that stupid little thing, like listen to truth, and oh, by the way, along the way, why don't we enforce the rule of law? Why don't we enforce and shore up the institution of the Justice Department? and the criminal justice division of governing, state by state, city by city, town by town, county parish by county parish around the nation, enforce the law, and let's get Americans and everybody else who's here, everybody, on the same page about all that. Is there something wrong with that? I mean, it's almost like now, you're an idiot if you, if you want the police to work and do their job. You are. You're an idiot. You don't care about people. These evil cops, 73 police killed in the line of duty. 73. And you know what's scary about that? When a lot of people hear that number, they say so. They deserved it. Not one of those 73 cases. They've all been examined. Not one of them did the cop engaged in anything that shouldn't have happened regarding the legality, enforcing the law. 73 people died. How many cop shootings killed people? How many white cops shot African-American people? There's a challenge. i throw it at you. Find me the number. 2021. Let me know how many white cops shot and killed African-American people or people of color, other people of color. I bet you it's not 73. And, of course, there's there's really, it's it's fruitless. It makes no sense to start talking numbers like this. Why? Because, folks, one, one cop getting shot and killed is one too many. One cop shooting any citizen and killing them is way too many it all needs to go away but it's not gonna go away if one group stands over here the other group stands over there and just scream and holler at each other nobody comes up with a fix nobody opens conversations at the table hey let's work through this and get it done it's all everybody go to your own corner we'll just do it that way and nothing gets done except more people die Criminality goes through the roof, and the rule of law is toast.
6: Ladies, we ask your forgiveness. Please forgive our immaturity, our outbursts of tacky compliments. Forgive our browser history. Forgive our hormones taking control of us. Forgive us for thinking an open shirt is the ultimate weapon of appeal. Forgive us for opening our beers like primates. Forgive for taking a no as a yes, for insisting on playing a guitar that doesn't exist. And please forgive us for never washing our hands ever. Schneider, the beer with the exact maturity the man who's in the process. When your cable company keeps you on hold, you get angry. When you get angry, you go blow off steam. When you go blow off steam, accidents happen. When accidents happen, you get an eye patch. When you get an eye patch, people think you're tough. When people think you're tough, people want to see how tough. And when people want to see how tough, you wake up in a roadside ditch. Don't wake up in a roadside ditch. Get rid of cable and upgrade to DirecTV. Call one 800 Direct tv Papa John is not interested in quality. He's obsessed with it. Because Papa John's a pizza maker. It's what he does. That's why you've got Papa's Quality Guarantee. Signed by the man himself. Love your pizza, or we'll deliver another absolutely free. It's my guarantee. Better ingredients, better pizza, Papa John's. And right now, save 25% when you spend 25 pounds or more online.
0: Taking the time to speak the truth, no matter the cost. Dan Newman, TNN, The Truth News Network. There's a whole lot of news
1: today Most of it not good news, but some of it is, about COVID-19 and everything to go with it. I guess a good thing, if you live in New York, is a New York judge has stricken Governor Hochul's mask mandate. This happened on Monday. Governor Kathy Hochul's effort to reinstate the state's mask mandate, the judge said, is unlawful and therefore void and unenforceable. The governor announced in December that masks will be required in every indoor public place in the state unless the businesses implement a vaccine requirement. The move came shortly after the emergence of the Omicron variant. State Supreme Court Judge Thomas Rodemaker said the State Department of Health did not have legal authority to implement that mandate and should have been approved by the state legislature. Why don't these politicos around the nation understand Governors, mayors, secretaries of state have no authority to change laws. State legislatures, town city councils have the legal power to make and change or do away with laws, not these elected single uh, individuals. They just don't. Former Governor Andrew Cuomo instituted that mass mandate in the early stages of the outbreak, and he used his quote-unquote emergency powers. They do have very select powers at very certain conditions. The mandate was dropped for anybody who was vaccinated in June last year. It was reported that Hoschel said her mandate would be in effect for at least a month. Then earlier this month, the health department said the mandate would be in place and be enforced beginning February 1st. And she even issued a statement that said it is her responsibility to protect New Yorkers and the measures help prevent the spread of COVID-19 save lives. She said she's going to fight this judge's decision. Reuters pointed out that Judge Rodemaker wrote that his decision did not intend to take sides in the mass debate, but wrote that, quote, enacting any laws to this end is entrusted solely by the New York state constitution to the state legislature. Government alone cannot do it. Why don't these power junkies in these state houses, why don't they understand what the law says? Every one of them took an oath to uphold the laws of the United States and the laws in their, com- com- uh, their states, why don't they just shut up and do what they're supposed to do? I guess the worst piece of news today, this shocked me that this happened. Overnight, the Florida Department of Health announced it is closing every monoclonal antibody treatment site in the state. Now, why would they do that? We were told, Fauci, everybody said it would would really benefit a lot of people, these monoclonal antibody treatments. The FDA, the United States Food and Drug Administration, rescinded emergency use authorizations for two particular treatments for COVID. They announced this Monday afternoon. It's no longer permitted, they say, to use nab Bamlani, Vimab and Eteservimab, as well as the combination of two more known as Regen-Cove or Regeneron. Why didn't they just put Regeneron? I can pronounce that. <laughs> Unfortunately, as a result of this uh, decision made by the federal government, all monoclonal antibody state sites are going to be closed immediately. That came from the Florida Department of Health, they said in a statement. So what that means now, folks, is every healthcare professional, every doctor that was giving these treatments and watching people get their COVID stuff taken care of and taken care of pretty quickly, they have to stop doing that. So what that means is if you're going to keep giving it to those people, now you're doing so illegally and you can go to jail for doing it. So why did the FDA do it? Their reason. Since data shows these treatments are highly unlikely to be active against the Omicron variant, and because Omicron is believed, and no testing, no testing, no testing, no facts, no evidence, they just quote unquote said it, that these treatments are quote highly unlikely to be active against the Omicron variant, and because omicron is believed to account for more than 99% of current covid cases the treatments are no longer authorized it explained this was meant to prevent side effects from treatments they don't believe will work no facts no numbers no evidence that's what this fda does it is no longer a medical bottle a body that looks at real medical statistical information that examines laboratory tests that requires, by the way, laboratory testing, human trials, yada, yada, yada. They don't even do that anymore. They're pontificating as politicians. That's all they're doing now. In the future, if patients in certain geographic regions are likely to be infected, are exposed to a variant that is susceptible to these treatments, then use of these treatments may be authorized in these regions, they said. So what adverse reactions are happening after treatments of these monoclonal antibodies? No report of any. No report of any, but yet they use that as one of their reasons for doing this. Florida Deputy Secretary for Health Kenneth Shepke went on the record saying that the state disagrees with the FDA, particularly regarding Regeneron, noting that it has not been supported by any clinical evidence provided by the FDA. In a letter to the leadership at the Department of Human, Human and, uh, Health and Human Services, Shepke said that Florida has ordered more than 30,000 doses of both Regeneron and the Sotoravimab monoclonal antibody treatment, which remains permitted, by the way, but that HHS had not been responding to their request for an update on the order. While we were hopeful to immediately connect on this timely and important issue, unfortunately, you were no longer able to accommodate our request for a call today and canceled," Shepke wrote. We believe the decision to delay our meeting was made with the awareness that this would be announced. Rather than transparent communication from the federal government to states, decisions continue to be made through news cycles, and this actively prevents states from making operational decisions that actively save lives. And as you can probably imagine, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis weighed in. And I'm going to quote him here. Without a shred of clinical data to support this action, Biden has forced trained medical professionals to choose between treating their patients or breaking the law. This indefensible edict takes treatment out of the hands of medical pros and will cost some Americans their lives. There are real-world implications to Biden's medical authoritarianism. America's access to treatments is now subject to the whims of a failing president, Governor Ron DeSantis, to the FDA and to the HHS, Health and Human Services Department. Well, as you can imagine, Biden's HHS, they push back, with a spokesperson claiming that DeSantis is more interested in promoting medicines that don't work than urging people to take vaccines that do. There is exactly what's going on. This HHS, Health and Human Services Department, they are just an expression of the White House's opinion on everything. All that matters is get a vaccination. Forget about all of the people that died from adverse reactions. Forget about all the people that are permanently disabled for life because of the vaccinations. Not COVID, folks, the vaccinations. Forget about that. Let's play politics. This statement is nothing more than a political statement claiming that Governor DeSantis is more interested in promoting medicines that don't work than urging people to take vaccines that do. Now, color me wrong. Vaccines don't stop you from getting COVID. You can quote me on that one. They don't. People that get vaccinated get COVID. And now, folks, people that are vaccinated got the two shots and got the three boosters... Or still not only getting COVID again, if you want to call it the warm and fuzzy name that Fauci and his gang gave it, breakthrough infections, that's okay. But what it is, is COVID-19. Some variant maybe, but it's COVID-19. I thought they told us if you get vaccinated, if you get the vaccination, you're going to be fine. You won't even get sick. And HHS actually comes out and just in a defamatory way slams Governor Ron DeSantis, who in his state, more people have been taken care of in every aspect of COVID-19 than any other state. Why? Not because of HHS, not because of the FDA, because the governor stepped in and he said, I'm going to do what's best for my people in the state of Florida. Novel idea, right? There are more people in the state of Florida and the state of Arizona that are in the biggest demographic of folks that are most susceptible to really bad cases of COVID-19. And DeSantis basically shut the door on that. People started getting well quicker, hospitals emptied, no mask. He pushed back at vaccine, and by the they're they're lashing out at him. Because he's not making people get vaccinations, that's really what they want—forced vaccination for everybody on the on the continent. They go after on a personal level, Ron DeSantis. Do you know who the secretary, <clears throat> excuse me, of the Department of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services is? Not even a doctor, but he's qualified, folks. Why? Because he's a lawyer. And in a Senate committee hearing, he was asked about that very fact. I think it was Senator Rand Paul that confronted him. Oh, by the way, his name is Javier Becerra. Don't ever call him Xavier. He gets offended. It's Javier Becerra. He's an attorney. Former Attorney General of the State of California. Served, I think, one term, maybe two terms in the United States House of Representatives. As a congressman, so he knows politics, knows it well, knows it from the far left side. He's nasty. I couldn't stand the way that he treated people when he was in Congress and he served on various committees. He always talked down to everybody and he still does. He's not a doctor, but he's making the decisions like this. He's the one that was involved in the decision making between the FDA and the HHS to make this happen. It's all about politics and it's not about the people of the United States, the people who are in the headlights of COVID-19 that are trying to live their lives, keep their families safe, keep themselves safe, keep their jobs safe, keep their jobs and just live and go forward with that free right to pursue happiness that we all are supposed to have according to the United States Constitution. There we go, that Constitution thing again. Where did all this craziness come from? It didn't come from one place, folks. It came from a lot of different places. We'll get into that in just a minute. Americans have been dying at a significantly higher rate over the past two years or so. But there's a scary thing that is being noticed now. COVID-19 tells only part of that story. Among seniors, we just mentioned them about Florida and Arizona, pandemic could explain the increase in mortality more easily than among younger people, where there's a gap requiring further explanation. Overall, there appears to be three distinct patterns in the data based on age. Among those ages 0 to 17, mortality remained virtually unchanged since 2019 when we didn't have any COVID-19, right? Among those who were 65 or older, mortality increased in 2020, dropped in the first half of 2021, coinciding with the proliferation of the COVID-19 vaccines, and then increased in the third quarter of last year, coinciding with the emergence of the Delta variant, which appeared more resistant to the vaccines. For those age 75 and older, COVID-19 more than explains any increases in mortality. For those age 65 to 74, deaths were on the rise long before the pandemic. Excluding COVID deaths leaves increases slightly above previous trends. So why is all that? Among those age 18 to 65, there emerges the opposite phenomenon after exclusion of COVID deaths. There's a big hike in mortality and it's still there. The non-COVID increase appears more pronounced in the younger age groups and less in the older ones. COVID doesn't seem to be the big killer that it's been made out to be. There are several factors that would explain at least part of these excess deaths. Drug overdoses skyrocketed in 2020. More than 20,000 more died in the 18- to 64-year-old age group than the year before. The CDC's preliminary data for the first half of last year indicates the trend even somewhat intensified. Deaths involving alcohol... Not just alcohol poisoning, but also those due to alcoholic cirrhosis of the liver and other alcohol-induced causes have been on the rise in recent years. But the 2020 increase was really significant. Nearly 8,000 more died in 2020 than the year before in the 18-64 to age group. Last year's data is not available yet. Homicide deaths increased nearly 30% from 2019 to 2020 in the 18-64 to age group, accounting for nearly 4,000 excess deaths, last year shaping up to be similarly homicidal based on CDC's preliminary data for the first half of the year. With COVID deaths excluded, and assuming drug overdoses, alcohol, and homicide continued in 2021 at a similar intensity as it did the year before, There was still about 50,000 excess deaths last year in that age group, 18 to 64. What's going on? The CDC and some other experts argue the excess deaths could be misclassified COVID deaths, as well as deaths due to lack of care because of hospitals overwhelmed with COVID patients. They point to the fact that about a third of Americans die at home. Their death certificates would probably be written by attending physicians who may not test the patient for COVID-19. The CDC issued guidance in 2020, I remember the day, June 15th, that, quote, all people suspected of dying of COVID-19 should be tested post-mortem. In other words, after they die. But it's not clear to what degree medical practitioners are following through on it. Now, this this reason may be limited for several reasons. Deaths at home indeed increased with the onset of the pandemic from less than 32% in 2019 to more than 36% the next year. But then the rate dropped again to less than 31% in 2020. If people were forced to die at home because medical care wasn't available, it doesn't appear to have been widespread enough to explain the excess mortality gap. The argument for misclassified COVID deaths usually assumes that the dying person was suffering from multiple ailments and the attending physician failed to note COVID-19 was at least a contributing factor in that death. It's not clear how often that applies to younger people. Younger people we all know are generally healthier and among whom COVID-19 deaths are rarer and may stand out more. Finally, The argument appears to use backward reasoning, assuming the excess deaths are caused by COVID-19 and then seeking the supporting logic on how that could be. But guess what else is in this picture? There's a growing group of doctors and researchers who point to the COVID-19 vaccines as a probable culprit in at least a part of the excess deaths last year. They usually point to several physiological mechanisms through which the vaccines could cause harm combined with no side effects as well as data from the Vares report. I gave you the, the latest one yesterday. We'll go back and look at it in just a second. VARES reports exploded with the introduction of the COVID vaccines. By January 7th, there are over a million reports including more than 21,000 deaths. Previously there would have been about 40,000 reports and a few hundred deaths a year. They are largely filed by healthcare personnel. The usual arguments against the VAERS data have been that it's unverified and unreliable. Some researchers have pointed out, however, that the system isn't meant to provide definitive answers but rather early warnings. In their view, the report has raised numerous red flags that haven't been sufficiently investigated. So where is the CDC in all of this? The latest detailed cause of death data available on the CDC website is for the year 2020. It's interesting. They haven't updated 2021, and we're almost a month into 2022. No update. CDC's always right there with numbers, accurate numbers, weekly almost. For 2021, CDC has been releasing some preliminary data bi weekly. But cautions now, y'all listen, we got a lag of eight weeks or more as the death certificate data streams in from around the country. For this analysis, only data up until October has been used. For specific causes of death outside of COVID-19, like pneumonia and influenza, the CDC doesn't break down the available 2021 data by age, limiting its usefulness for this analysis. Now, let me point something out here. Before 2021, the CDC did just that. Why would they stop? Why would they want to just clump it all in to like one number rather than break that out? In addition, CDC's COVID-19 mortality data that covers 2021 attributes to the virus all deaths where COVID-19 was marked on the death certificate, regardless whether it was listed as the cause or as a contributing factor. Early in the pandemic, you'll remember the CDC told medical practitioners mark all deceased who had tested positive and even those with COVID-like symptoms, but who had not been tested as deaths caused by COVID-19. Later in 2020, the guidance changed. Untested cases were to be separated, and COVID-19 was required to be at least a contributor factor to be listed on the death certificate. Did you get that? They hadn't been tested. But they instructed them anyway, release a death certificate that shows COVID-19 was at least a contributing factor. In the second half of 2020, the last period with the available death certificate data up to this point, 90% of deaths involving COVID had the disease listed as the cause of death, rather than being a contributing factor. Some experts have also pointed to government policies as a possible culprit in some excess deaths. School closures, business lockdowns, have led to both financial, psychological depression. Some research and anecdotal reports show that, which may have led to death in some cases. Suicides, though, have been relatively stable between 2019 and June 2021. More questions. More unanswered questions. And it seems every day, more unwillingness to go get answers to those questions. CDC is a government entity. FDA is too. Let me just say this. You're going to hear from Anthony Fauci right after this break coming up. You don't want to miss this either. But let me say this. Something ain't right. Numbers don't line up. Answers, Answers aren't there. We don't have them. Real government, real leaders, would get the answers, especially answers to this. You know that.
0: It's a lot to take in, but when you need a refresher, it's all here. 24-7, 365. Every podcast, every blog. TNN, the Truth News Network. Truthnewsnet.org. What
5: is Coca-Cola? Is it an excuse to get together? Since 1886, Coca-Cola has been passing on smiles from generation to generation. We've been giving kids scholarships, like the early birds and the all-nighters. And you get to enjoy what matters most. Coca-Cola, drink up.
4: Ah, luxury. The aroma is full-bodied, the flavour is decadent, the touch divine. And the drive? Yes, the drive of luxury is simply infinity. Introducing the Infinity Luxury Test Tour. If you think you are familiar with luxury, you haven't driven an infinity. Infinity of Elk Grove invites you to truly become familiar with luxury and take a luxury test tour. It's like a test drive, but with more luxury. We invite you to drive luxury to luxury, not for an hour or even a day, but for an entire weekend. Your choice, select your infinity and motor off to a luxury weekend in Lake Tahoe or Napa Valley. And yes, all the luxury is on us. Introduce yourself to LuxuryTestTour.com and truly become familiar with luxury. Infinity of Elk Grove is literally giving you the keys to a luxury experience like none other. LuxuryTestTour.com Drive luxury, drive infinity. Infinity of Elk Grove. Expect more.
1: Boy, I just got some more blockbuster news from the West Coast. Listen to this. Rochelle Walensky, director of the CDC, confirms this. Listen closely. Over 75% of COVID deaths were people that had other serious health issues. I'll repeat that. CDC, over 75% of COVID deaths came in people with other serious health conditions. That ought to tell us something, shouldn't it? It's like every day. We hear something new. We learn something new. Here's Dr. Fauci, folks. Listen closely.
8: You missed it. So did everybody else. He, Dr. Fauci was asked about this flip. And he said, I'm not going to do the Fauci voice anyway. I'll get a sore throat if I keep doing it. All right, one more time. He says,
1: he says. Why don't you go back to the beginning? This is Michael Knowles as Anthony Fauci. When I'm telling you wear
8: a mask, keep social distancing, avoid crowds, wash your hands, do things outdoors more than indoors, there's nothing political about that. That's a public health message that we know works. Dr. Fauci demonstrated his grip on church and state last March when he told everyone to stop wearing masks. Do you remember this? Because I have the quote. I don't want to be taken off of YouTube. I have the quote here from Dr. Fauci. He says, there's no reason to be walking around with a mask. When you're in the middle of an outbreak, wearing a mask might make people feel a little bit better. It it might even block a droplet. But it is not providing the perfect protection that people think it is. (laughs) But Dr. Fauci did not just leave it there. He didn't just say that the masks were ineffective. He actually went further. There are unintended consequences. People keep fiddling with the mask and they keep touching their face. According to Dr. Fauci, not only did the masks not help, they actually actively Harmed the public health. Then a few weeks later, everything changed. Do you remember this? Dr. Fauci decided that not only are masks effective at slowing the spread, actually they're essential. He insisted on quote universal wearing of masks. So what changed? Was it the science that changed? The science? No, it was not the science. Even even Dr. Fauci admitted that. He said, <laughs> alright, one more time. <clears throat> Back then, there was the critical issue to save masks for the people who really needed them because it was felt, it was felt, not I felt, it was felt by some that there was a shortage of masks. In other words, Dr. Fauci believed that the masks would protect people, but he considered some people more deserving of the masks than other people, so he lied to the public and told them that the masks would not protect anybody so that there would be more masks left over for his fellow public health workers. The decision, as he admitted his own words, was not primarily scientific. The decision was primarily political. But Dr. Fauci couldn't quite admit that. During an interview on The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, you missed it, so did everybody else. He, (laughs) Dr. Fauci was asked about this flip and he said, I'm not going to do the Fauci voice anyway. I- I'll get a sore throat if I keep doing it. All right, one more time. He says, <laughs> He says, for goodness sakes, I've never had a political ideology that I've made public. I'm really just talking to you about public health. When I'm telling you, wear a mask, keep social distancing, avoid crowds, wash your hands, do things outdoors more than indoors, there's nothing political about that. That's a public health message that we know works. Now, I will give Dr. Fauci the benefit of the doubt, and I will chalk this ridiculous statement up to ignorance. But he actually claimed that his decision to reorder the way that 330 million people live, work, relax, travel, walk out the front door, that his decision to mandate how people would open their businesses or not open their businesses was not political. Shut down the economy, curtail constitutional rights, close churches, but don't close marijuana dispensaries. Those are essential. All of that was not political, according to Dr. Fauci. Because Dr. Fauci, he didn't even care about politics, you see. He just cares about what works.
1: Politics. Politics, folks. Everything is about politics. What's there for them? Power. And that comes with everything that you want. If you got the power, you can have money. You can have anything and everything you want. That is what is consuming your government. Hey, thank you for being here today. Enjoyed being with you. Always do. We're back tomorrow. We're back every day this week, every Monday through Friday. 9 a.m. Central. TNN Live. Have a great Tuesday, folks. Don't forget that story at truthnewsnet.org. We'll see you tomorrow morning right here